Take your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 5. We're continuing, we just finished talking, studying about the man who is laying at the pool of Bethesda. He's an invalid and the Lord heals him. He asked him, do you want to get well? We studied this last week. The man says, I don't have anybody to help me. Jesus replies, get up, take up your bed and walk. In the command of a king, there's power. This man who doesn't even know who Jesus is suddenly feels strength surging into his limbs. And at once the man was healed. He takes up his bed and he walks. And it was the Sabbath day. The Jews say to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to take up your bed. He answered, the man who healed me, that man said to me, pick up your bed and walk. They asked him, well, who was the guy? Now, the man who had been healed didn't even know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn there was a crowd in the place, and Jesus later finds him in the temple. We looked at that last week. The guy's off to a great start. He goes to the temple to thank God for what he's done. Oh, you are well. You can hear Jesus seeing the guy. Oh, you're better. Congratulations. High five. <coughs> but sin no more. So nothing, so nothing worse happens. We talked about that last week. The man went away. He said to the Jews, it was Jesus who healed him. Now, why did he do that? We talked about that last week. Was it because he was a tattletale? Who's Jesus? He healed me. Or was it rather just a bold confession? It was Jesus who made me well. And he wants the world to know. I stand before you whole because of Jesus. And so he tells them. And just as what Dave read in Luke chapter 6, which happened up in Galilee when Jesus heals on the Sabbath, in the same way, this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Because he was doing these things, not just this thing, notice that, not just this thing, these things, notice that clearly, on the Sabbath. Jesus answered then, here's his answer. My father is working until now, and I am working. We're going to hone in on that phrase in a minute, that sentence that Jesus replies. It's a biggie. My father is at work until this present moment. And I am working. Now, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. 
Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but they understand the ramifications of what he just said. My father is working until now, and I am working. They understand what Jesus is getting at here. They want to kill him, not just because he breaks the Sabbath, but because he was even calling God his own father. And by so doing, he was making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son also does. For the father loves the son and he is showing him everything that he is doing. And greater works than these will he show him. In order that you may marvel. And then he's going to talk about these great works. As the father raises the dead, he gives life. So also the son gives life to all whom he As we look at this this morning, we've got to unpack a lot. So before we do that, let's do what is most important, and that is ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And then we'll dig into it. Holy Spirit, as we look at this this morning, as we think about what our Savior said, my Father is working. My father is at work, and so am I. Help us understand this. Holy Spirit, we can't understand this unless you shed light on it. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would illumine our hearts. That you would open your word. That you would teach us. And thus we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look together at some things. Here's where we're going. This is the first of many apologetics. Now, apologetic, or an apologetic, isn't like the English word that we use today to apologize. If I apologize to you, I'm asking what? I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm sorry for what I did. No, that's not what the word apologetic means. It comes from a Greek word, which means to give a defense. And what we're going to see in the rest of chapter 5 is Jesus is giving a defense for what he did on the Sabbath. He is giving the Jewish leaders an apologetic in chapter 5, in chapter 6, in chapter 7, in chapter 8, and chapter 9. We're going to see Jesus do something like feed 5,000, and then he's going to give an apologetic, a defense for what he did. So we're going to study an event, like the healing at the Pool of Bethesda, and then we're going to come face to face with an apologetic. Jesus explains what he just did. He explains his actions. He gives a defense. In this apologetic and the rest of them, Jesus is going to highlight the inner Trinitarian relationship as the foundation of all relationships in the universe. The Father loves the Son. 
He shows him everything he does. The Spirit gives life. And so we're going to see this inter-Trinitarian relationship developed, and we're going to see how that inter-Trinitarian relationship frames the entire universe and becomes the basis for relationship. It is how we understand relationship even with each other and ultimately with God. So this is kind of where we're going over the next weeks. In this passage, there are several things that came up. One is the Sabbath. Now we can take a long time to talk about this, and we're going to do it really quick this week. We're going to see Jesus' reply. My father has been working until now, and so am I. We're going to see the Jewish leaders, how they understand what he said. What do they think about what he just said? Oh, no big deal? Oh, that explains that everything is good. When Jesus says this, how do the Jews take it, the Jewish leaders? They try to what? They want to kill him. Jesus is going to say something very similar in chapter 8 after forgiving a woman taken in adultery. And they're going to pick up stones to stone him when he says something very similar. And today, this is kind of what we're going to look at, but we'll get our feet wet in the discourse a little bit. We're going to see in the weeks to come, or in the week to come, it'll probably take us two weeks. Next week, you'll have a guest speaker. But we're going to see the Father's work. We're going to see the Son's work. And he's going to talk a lot about judgment. He's going to talk repeatedly about judgment. And what is interesting is Jesus basically saying this. You're judging me because I healed someone on the Sabbath. But you know what? One day it's going to come and you will stand before me and I will judge you. So you better get it right. That's what Jesus tells him. You're judging me right now because of the Sabbath. But one day you will stand in front of me. And I will render a verdict on your life. I am the judge. Now you will notice with me, Jesus really highlights this in verse 24 when he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word, what is his word? My father is working until now and I am working. Whoever hears my word believes that I was sent by the Father. What does he say? He has eternal life. And he does not come into judgment. He has passed out of death and into life. He who hears my word Believes in the one who sent me has what? Eternal life. He will not come into what? Judgment. He has passed out of death and now is in life. We'll study that next week. Let's talk about the Sabbath for a minute. When you think about the Sabbath, we often think of it just in terms of the sixth day of the week. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. We'll look at that text in a minute. 
But we fail to realize that in the Old Testament sometimes, there's a lot of different Sabbaths. This one is the sixth day of the week. But if I were to start talking to you about keeping the Sabbath, you'd have to say to me, well, what does that mean? Do you let your land rest every seventh year? You see, the Sabbath is a big deal in the Old Testament. There are many of them. So there was a sixth day of the week. There was also a set-aside day that was associated with all the Old Testament feasts. So every one of the feasts, when it began, it begins with a Sabbath and it ends with a Sabbath. Now, if it's Friday, it's still a Sabbath. So you got two days off that week. See? So the Sabbath is not just merely the sixth day of the week. It is also a period of rest for agricultural land, and it is a part of the cycle of what was called the Jubilee. There's a lot of questions that we'd have to think about if we study this definitively this morning. Was the Jewish Sabbath merely part of the ceremonial law? Is it part of the moral law since it's in the Decalogue in the Ten Commandments? Was it done away in Christ? Tells in the book of Colossians it was a shadow of the good things that was to come. The substance is Christ. Are we bound to observe it today? A lot of Christians wrestle with this. In some ways it's a lot like the tithe. The Old Testament tithe. How is the tithe associated with New Testament Christianity? And sometimes this issue of the Sabbath and New Testament Christianity sometimes can be very confusing for people to work out. It's interesting to note, there's no record that it was observed by men until Exodus 20. Nowhere tells us that Noah observed the Sabbath. Not until Exodus 20 do we see people observing it. And then in Romans 14 and in Colossians 2, there's a lot of teaching on the subject. And so you could take the time to read it, and I don't know why I just lost my screen. That's a bad day. It just went away. What did I do? That's not good. Okay. You're going to have to turn in your Bibles now. Genesis chapter 2. Oh, man, God just answered prayer. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. Okay, here's where we see the Sabbath. This is just the creation of it in the creation week. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he set it apart. Why did he set it apart? Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. And notice this phrase because it explains what he's resting from in creation. That is the origin of the Sabbath. Next place, Exodus chapter 20. This is the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. Remember. 
Remember the Sabbath day? Keep it set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day, what is today, by the way? Is it the seventh day? It's the first day. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he set it apart. Last week we talked about Jeremiah 17, and I want to put this up again, just because it relates to why the Jews thought it was such a big deal that this guy is packing his bed. Thus says the Lord, take care for the sake of your lives. Think about that phrase. Take care. Why do you wear a seatbelt? Take care. For the sake of your life. It's a physical life, right? It's important. Be careful. Take care for the sake of your life. And then he says, this is a big deal. Don't bear a burden on the Sabbath day. Or bring it into the gates of Jerusalem. Don't carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath or do any work. But keep the Sabbath day set apart as I commanded you from. That's where that came from, why the Jews add to what God has said and say, man, if we're not to bear any burden on the Sabbath day, then we ought to be extra careful. And don't pick up your bed. Don't do this, don't do that. All the things that the Jewish rabbinic leaders add to God's word, which tells us what? What did God tell Moses and Joshua? Do not depart from my word to the left, to the right, don't take away from it, don't add to it. What I gave you is what I wanted to give you. Follow it. We are so prone to fall off the balance beam of truth and add to his word or take away from it according to our own convenience. Okay. In Luke 6, we fast forward to Jesus. Jesus is in Galilee, and Dave read this to us this morning. He said to them, this this should be a capital L, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It belongs to me. Jesus says to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life, or to destroy it. And in Mark chapter 3, Jesus says this, the Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. This brings us to what we see in verse 17. Did God make the Sabbath for God? Did God need a rest? Did God need a break? Was God so tired after making all the universe 
that he said, man, I just got to unwind and I got to take a day off. Was the Sabbath made for God? No. The Sabbath was made for who? Man. That's important when we get a little later in the message. Now, before we look at this one, we could make a lot of applications on how the Sabbath and Sunday relate in the new covenant. And I would imagine in a place like this, there's a lot of different levels of conscience as to what you think is okay to do on a Sunday and what isn't. Some people completely feel free that Sunday is just another day of the week. I go to church and I can do whatever I want the rest of the day. Some people feel that the Sabbath and the Sunday have some very close relationships. And although we are not under the Sabbath the same way they were, yet there are still some conscience issues that are in your life because of what you were taught and how you were raised. I remember my dad. My dad was raised in the Mennonite faith. Then he became a believer when he was in the Air Force. I told you that before. Uh, he went in the Air Force and he got excommunicated from the Mennonite church because they were pacifists. And so while he was in the Air Force, he meets this chaplain who led him to Christ and became a believer. But he had a lot of issues that he still had strong in his conscience because of the Mennonite faith. One of them was Saturday or Sunday. And I remember my dad, you know, used a lot of things you didn't do on a Sunday. When I was a little kid, you did not read the funny page in the newspaper. Period. You sure didn't bail head. That was his conscience. Now, in a place like this, there's all different levels of conscience that you personally have and that govern your family. And I'm not going to set myself up as Lord of your life and tell you what you can and you cannot do. That's between you and the Lord, right? But I would say this. Don't sin against your conscience. Don't sin against your conscience. And if you are bound in a certain way, study the scripture and come to a well-informed faith that then dictates what you believe is appropriate. We had a special speaker a few years back that has a very strict conscience on Sunday. So Saturday night, he was kind of getting late. And he was like, man, i got to get to town now. He was at our home. He's like, i got to get into town now because I need to fill up my car. Because I won't fill up my car on Sunday. That was his conscience. Who am I to say that's wrong? That's his conscience before the Lord. So you've got to figure this out to some degree for yourself and your family. And I would say to you men, as a head of your household, you need to study this out and have a well-informed faith and then teach that to your children as to what you do and why. I would say this. The Lord will bless you if you set aside a day for his worship. He will bless you for that. If you think that you can just do whatever you want on the day and then never come to church and never bring your kids to church, I bet your kids will view the faith and the church 
as being secondary to other things. So you better think carefully how you view that and how you prioritize. Jesus is apologetic. My father is always working. The force of that statement is this. God does not observe the Sabbath. It was made for man. Scripturally speaking, God took one day off since creation. And the only thing that he didn't do on that day was to continue to create. He took a rest from creation, it says. It is important to note that in all of eternity, God has only rested one time on that day. He is always working. That is the force of that statement. My father is working until now. He has not taken any more days off. And then what does Jesus say? Since I am God, whatever I see him doing, that's what I'll do. Because Jesus is there by saying what? I am not bound by the Sabbath either. It was made for who? Man. And I am God. And the Jews understand the implication of what he is saying. That's why they say he is making himself equal with God. Now, he is bound by it in one sense because he is a Jew. And he keeps the law. But he is not bound by it in a higher sense because he is God. The Son does what he sees the Father doing. That is Jesus' basic defense for his action. What did he say to the Jews? I am the Lord over the Sabbath. The Jews go apoplectic. Don't they? He is making himself equal to God by calling God his own Father. How do we pray? We pray. Jesus taught us to pray how? Our Father. So we all say God is our Father if we're a Christian. So why do they say when Jesus says this, he is saying that he is equal to God when he says God is his Father? It's because of that little word that is attached to it, he makes him his own Father. And that is very similar to what is said of Jesus when it says he is the only begotten Son. It is talking about a unique relationship between the Father and the Son that is unlike any other relationship in the universe. God is his own Father, and he is his only Son. And so they understand the force of that, and they say he is making himself equal to God. He deserves to die. And that brings us to what we're going to take away, and then we'll be done. Notice what Jesus says. My father is always at work. Aren't you glad God doesn't take a day off? Psalm 121 says what? I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. He made the heaven and the earth. 
He will not allow your foot to slip or your steps to stumble. The one who keeps Israel, he never slumbers, he never sleeps. So I can say, the Lord is my helper. He never slumbers. Some of you have been slumbering in here today, right? That's when it gets a little bit hot. I get a little bit long. And your eyes get a little bit heavy. I've been there, done it. Not saying anything negative to you. I've just been there, done it too. That's a slumber, right? You eat a big lunch. You sit down on the couch for a few minutes. Oh. Right? God never sits on the throne and just dozes off. God never goes to bed at night. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. So why do I fret? Right? Why do I fret? Why do I worry? I'm in his hand. My father is always at work. Amy and I were talking about some other things this week, and she drew my attention to an article that was in um, Table Talk, the Ligonier magazine that we make available to you. And the one a month ago was on commonly tolerated sins. And one of those commonly tolerated sins that they talked about was the sin of impatience. And in that, it talked about God, how God is not impatient. It said this about God. God alone gets everything done all the time. How many of you get to the end of the day and you didn't get half done what, half done what was on your list, right? God gets everything done all the time. God speaks and it happens. Nothing frustrates his will. No flat tire. No bad battery in the truck. Nothing. Nothing limits his accomplishment. He always accomplishes everything he wants to accomplish, and he always does so at the precise moment he wants it to be done. We are impatient because we are not like that. And we so desperately want to be. My father is always at work. I also thought of the words of a song. Waymaker, have you ever heard the song on the radio? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Now, what is our trick? It is to walk in the Son, Jesus Christ, in such a way that just like Jesus said, whatever I see my Father doing, that's what I do. Amen. And what God wants us to learn to do as we go through life is to be in touch with Him through the Spirit in such a way that whatever God does, Whatever the Father is doing, however He is working, then that's what we do. 
and his work and his will governs our action. So the son is always at work doing what the father is doing. And that's what we'll see next week as we look at this. And what is the father doing? Think about this. What is God doing? You know what God is doing? He is redeeming to himself a people. And he wants us to be at that work. To be doing with him, for him, and through him his work. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that as we studied today, as we thought about some of these truths, as we seek, Lord, to walk in the Spirit in such a way that your life and your will governs everything that we do, and it's not just our will, truly is what Jesus prayed, Father, not my will, your will be done. I pray that, Father, you would help us to see what you are busy doing, and, Father, help us to prioritize to make that what we do. So we pray in Jesus' name.